Hey, faith family. Welcome to the Beyond Sunday podcast at Calvary Bible, where we go beyond the Sunday sermon to explore some rabbit holes and to bring some biblical truths to the surface. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. All right. Welcome back, faith family. Glad to have you again for another week. Randy, thanks for joining me. Good morning. Good morning. All right. You ready to dive in here? I am. Curveball. Yeah, good. Uh, let's see. Curveball today. Um, here goes. We got Maddie a uh, little joke book for her birthday. Yeah. So here's a joke for you. All right. What did the banana say to the elephant? Uh, thankfully, I have no idea. No, that's not what he said. Banana didn't say anything. Bananas don't talk. <laughs> oh, that's great. Trick. Trick. That's good. Gotcha. Those are good. All right. All right. Maybe I'll come up with another one. We've got silly jokes for silly kids. All right. That's the book. They're good. Check it out. Maybe you should put it in your book fund for next year. I don't think so. Do you have a favorite comic strip growing up or anything like that? Um, comic strip, boy, it's been so long since I've read them. Uh, Far Side was always good. Oh, yeah. I used to have good. Far Side books. Little, they had booklets that you could get yep. back in the day. Yeah, that was a good one. Get Fuzzy's my favorite. Uh, yeah, probably all-time favorite. But Calvin and Hobbes is a classic. That's good. I, I love yeah. that one, too. Yeah. That's awesome. Good deal. Actually, up at Word of Life, um, I think it was, I forget the guy's name, Wicks. Professor mm-hmm. Wicks, he started off every class with a Calvin and Hobbes comic. Yeah. He would do voices and it was good. Wow. Good stuff. And they had so much good illustrative material. Yeah. Uh, a lot of those. I mean, peanuts on down. I mean, really good. Yeah. Stuff. I like comics. Nice and short, you know, yeah. on my level. It's good stuff. <laughs> All right. So here we go. We were in week two of uh, like a mini series within a mini series mm-hmm. of a series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like you're diving down. We're in Jude, but yeah. we're in this other little mm-hmm. series, and now we're in. Yeah, contending for the faith <laughs> sort of brings us to what are some of the contested readings. Yep. And one of them certainly is all things gender related. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is really good. And so let me start off here with question number one. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe before I get in, mm-hmm. just encourage folks to continue to write your questions in. We love having them. Um, so podcast at cbcmj.com. We'll do our best to get to them and work through it. But here we go. We've got three questions today. Right. And you mentioned the series that we were just getting into. So uh, the first question here says, you mentioned that 0.05% of the population experiences or wrestles with gender dysphoria. Mm-hmm. But the amount of attention that they garner is not proportionate to the number of those that struggle. So mm-hmm. thanks for covering the issue because it's something many of us are thinking about. The question is, how should we be preparing ourselves and our kids to best think through all of the gender and sexuality issues? So it's coming as from mm-hmm. all angles. It's really being, it's being pushed. I mean, no doubt. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think that um, let's start with what we are doing. Uh, what we what we're doing in all of these uh, situations and all of these concepts of the day, we're going back to Scripture and saying, mm-hmm. what is God saying about this? So in this case, I think one of the best things to do is first immerse yourself in uh, God's revelation concerning all things gender related. Uh, so not only the, the foundational material in early Genesis, mm-hmm. but throughout Scripture, uh, just Watch how male and female differences are carried out through redemptive history, right up on uh, right up until uh, when we get to this coming Sunday, Lord willing, in First Timothy two. Some of the more difficult 
instructions to men and women, especially to women, which, which brings up an issue itself, and we'll talk about that. But it's important to familiarize yourself, your family, let everybody know that that exists. Mm -hmm. So start with a firm belief in this is the story, this is the narrative that we live our lives by. Yeah. But the second thing is, I think it's wise uh, for everyone at least to, uh, especially in a family, in a young family, to let everyone know this is a thing, mm -hmm. like this exists. Mm -hmm. So I, I think it would be wrong to try to avoid it. I think it's right to make sure it's on the table that everybody's aware of what's happening. Mm -hmm. And then it's just a matter of fact, we don't believe that that's humanity. We don't yeah. believe that that's human. Mm -hmm. uh, that's, uh, that's contrary to what God intends for his creatures. Mm -hmm. So I think that combination of knowing, knowing what's happening, but also especially having the foundation set in scripture. And then finally, the piece that we've been trying to get at at the end, remember, mm -hmm. is so you have a biblical piece, you've got a, the sociological piece, you understand what's happening in the day and you're able to at least acknowledge it. It's there. It's a thing. The third component for us has been uh, please extend grace uh, to folks who believe differently than the Bible. As opposed to remember, the tendency of some Christians will be to try to uh, turn that person's opinion towards Scripture. And so what you're really looking for is, does that person have any, uh, any evidence of the Spirit of God in their lives so that they're eager to hear a different story for them, a different mm -hmm. reality? But the key, I think, for Christian witness in the world is not judging them at all, but extending grace, trying to converse about their lives, wondering, is God drawing them to himself? So I think those three things would be my way to answer. And I think we're trying to do that. Uh, through this uh, this little series, I think, mm -hmm. trying to give that biblical foundation, what's going on in the world, and then also how do we respond? Yeah, and a little personal story for myself. So we love watching Andy Griffith. It's like one of our, mm -hmm. our shows. So in some ways, like we, we shelter our kids because we're not watching, you know, the latest sitcom or whatever. Yeah. Um, so they're not, you know, confronted with as much you know, unbiblical, un ungodly right, things right, that they right. would be otherwise. Yeah. Um, but I still think that's not that's not the, our our approach. But I think to be um, aware of when things happen and you're watching something as a family, oh, and then yeah. to address it. So even on an Andy Griffith show, mm -hmm. for an example, yeah. there's an episode where his girlfriend, mm -hmm. the pharmacist, I think her name's Ellie or something like that. Um, she wants to run for city council. Yeah. And they, Andy has this, he gets himself in some hot water because mm -hmm. he has this stereotype of what a woman should do. Yes. And it was pretty much like barefoot pregnant and, yeah. you know, in the kitchen yeah. kind of a deal. Yeah. And she wasn't real happy about that. And so, you know, here I am sitting with my son and three mm -hmm. daughters mm -hmm. and that's not my view of, yeah. of what a woman, you know, should be necessarily limited mm -hmm. to. Um, and, you know, we let the episode finish and then had a conversation about it. And so what does the Bible say about, yeah. you know, a husband and a wife and their interaction together? Yeah. And it just provided some really good conversation. It's great uh, teaching with the kids. So yeah. I think just to be one, uh, to your point, uh, aware of what's going on. And so when you hear the message, red flag goes off mm -hmm. and then get back to the scriptures and mm -hmm. have a conversation as best you can, you know? Yeah. And those teaching moments are all over the place because of, 
mm-hmm. the way in which the world is so effective at preaching mm-hmm. to us. Yeah. I mean, that's really what they're doing. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's why I joke about uh, old rock groups being uh, worship. Team, yeah. You know, what do I, whatever I call them, worship yeah. something. Yeah. But, I think you called it a worship band on Sunday. Yeah. Something like this. Because they, they really are. Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. they are. They, they're uh, worshiping something. They, uh, they're promoting uh, some type of ideology. Yeah. You know, one of my favorite Christian hip hop bands, they have a line at the beginning of one of their songs that says, it's not that we don't know how to worship. It's we don't know who to worship. That's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No wonder you like that genre. I love it. I love it. All right. Moving on. Uh, question number two. So, Randy, can you clarify why you said that God is asexual when he's referred to as a father and a son? Mm-hmm. So we've got the Trinity. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. Um, and then kind of a, a spinoff from that then. Mm-hmm. How does that impact the view and role of women? Yeah, it's a great question. So, um He's asexual because he's spirit. I think someone in the congregation right. nailed that pretty quickly. So we just start with the foundation of he's not a human being. I read this uh, this morning early uh, in my own Bible reading where uh, I think it's in Hosea where God says, I am, I am God, not a man. Mm-hmm. And so it's clear in scripture that God is spirit. He's not flesh and blood. So he's not male or female. So therefore he's uh, asexual. Mm-hmm. The interesting, uh, that's a great observation though, um, so, but when you read his, the way in which he revealed himself, he revealed himself as father. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so right. that the angle of the question was, what does that say about uh, women? Mm-hmm. And so uh, I think what it says is you've got a heavenly father that, uh, that not only created you as a woman, but he adores you like a father adores his daughter. So I would say that's the primary takeaway when you when a woman reads about God as father. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't see anything uh, negative in that because what what will what we see developed in the Godhead, in the Trinity, is uh, different roles within the triunity. Mm-hmm. So you have God the Father, who we know is is going to receive all the glory at the end. There's that famous passage. I think it's in First Corinthians 15 where even Christ, the son, who's exa- the exalted one, is going to hand everything over to the father. Mm-hmm. So I think within the within the Godhead, you've got God displaying himself, revealing himself to us as a father. That best represents his relationship to all of male and female. Mm-hmm. So I, I hope I did a little bit of justice to that issue of how, how does that affect being a woman? Uh, you have a, a great heavenly father who wants to give you good gifts and understands your sexuality because he created you that way. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so it's all positive. So let me follow up with a couple of questions. Mm-hmm. One, uh, we would say, though, that Jesus was a was a male. Yeah, when he, when he became, uh, right. when he be- uh, yes, through the incarnation. Right. Yeah, he but, becomes, uh, he's born as a, as a male. Yeah, male and uh, Right, but but generally God is a spirit. Um, oh, man. I'm losing my train of thought. Aww. Choo-choo. There it goes. Um, and you're not old enough yet to even have a semi-senior mind. Oh, man. It was a really good Another question. Uh, okay, it's back. Man, train's back in the station. So what if... Um, so... Like the Hebrew scriptures, it's a, a male-dominated, mm. patriarchal, yes. patriarchal, mm. 
Lakarkikok, Lakalaka Ding Dong. Yeah. yeah. It's one of those societies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, would you know he reveals himself as father. That's the mm-hmm. metaphor mm-hmm. might not be the right term. Yeah, the it's just the way he chooses yeah. to mm-hmm. identify himself. Yeah. Um, might that be because it was such a patriarchal, male-dominated society? It would be. It would be, except for the fact that everything keeps going back to creation order. So the reason why Sunday was so important, mm-hmm. those those six differences, is because God yeah. determined that when He creates humankind, He creates men first. Mm-hmm. So I, I have given a lot of thought to what would scripture sound like if scripture would have been written in another era, in yeah. another era, mm-hmm. in a different part of the world. Mm-hmm. But it seems like from, it's not, it doesn't seem like. First Timothy 2 that we'll study on Sunday makes it clear that God, the order in which God created humanity was important to set up the order of how the church should operate. Mm-hmm. So I would say that's... You know, it's not culture bound. It's not. It's yeah. not because uh, you know that's the way everybody thought. Men, men had all the power and women had none. Mm-hmm. Therefore, God presents Himself as Father. I think it's more in line with it's the best way for God to represent His relationship to us. And humanity, by and large, knows the family relationship. Okay. And so, uh, to 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 try to <clears throat> to try to to represent Him as a mother, yeah, uh, to me would be a violation of of the character of God. He's asexual, asexual, but he represented himself as a father uh, for a reason, mm-hmm. and I think it has something to do with the order, mm-hmm. yeah, the the authority issue, right. and we'll we'll cover it someday. Yeah, right, and I think. To always get back to that creation order is is one of our ways to go. A default we're we're always looking to ground back in something. And so Genesis one, two, and three. Yeah. If he would have, if if Paul, for instance, in First Timothy two, mm-hmm. would have reasoned his way after the fall. Yeah. To the, to if he would have anchored himself his teaching to the, what's after the fall, mm-hmm. we'd have another issue. Yeah. He anchors his teaching and instruction pre-fall, mm-hmm. before the fall. And he goes back to, no, this is because of the order in which they were created. But then he goes also mm-hmm. to the way in which, if I remember correctly, the way in which they were tempted. Okay. So um, if that's the key, uh, if that's the issue, let me just double check that real quick. Um, if that's true, then, um, yeah, verse 13, for Adam was first was formed first, then Eve, verse 14, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. So he, Paul anchors the instruction to men and women in the church back to the order of creation, but also the order of, or the way in which the the, uh, the fall occurred. Okay. So is that just a little teaser for Sunday? Yeah. I don't, Appetizer? Yeah. Trailer? Free. It's free. All right. Come back Sunday. All right. One more question here. Okay. Um, it's actually on the flip side of the gender discussion, mm-hmm. uh, getting to men. Uh, you labeled the man as being the priest and protector mm-hmm. in the marriage. 
Uh, I can imagine what the protector may mean, but how might he fulfill those two roles practically? So, yeah. So one of the things, uh, Michelle knows this, one of the things has been, uh, you know, I have just had to uh, just work hard at and just mm -hmm. keep listening. And uh, one of the primary roles, as we'll, again, we'll learn on Sunday is mm -hmm. praying. Mm -hmm. And so for me, uh, you know, being in this all my life, I pray a lot for, about everything, but a lot of a lot of my prayers need to be focused on my family yeah and praying with Michelle mm -hmm. and so and she's been a huge help uh, to me just to you know just to help me realize that's that's important mm -hmm. it's important to her it's important to me it's important to us so that's a that's a big deal but but I use that language and I I'm pretty sure that language came from uh, you know like Kevin DeYoung I, I mentioned that book a few times men and mm -hmm. women in the church and I think he uses that term, but that's been used forever. Those two priests Those two terms, they've been used a lot, especially the priestly function mm -hmm. where um, what you have is you have a man who's a Christian husband or a Christian father is responsible to carry out the commands of God mm -hmm. to make sure that those that that covenant is kept. Mm -hmm. God says, here's what you're to do. Here's what you're not to do. And so sort of that priestly function is uh, the Christian man, uh, making sure he leads the way mm -hmm. toward holiness, mm -hmm. something along those lines would be the practical uh, thing, not, not allowing another will to, uh, to overpower, overcome the will of God for, yeah. for a family or a home. Yeah. Um, and so that priestly role in the old Testament, um, covenant keeping, but I view that too as like, uh, the, like a liaison between man and God. They're like a, mm -hmm. a connecting piece, mm -hmm. you know, between those two. And so the priest goes as a representative of the people. Um, and not only a representative of the people, but remember that priest's main job is to make sure that the sins of the people are dealt with. Mm -hmm. And that was through prayer and through sacrifice. One of my favorite texts about that issue that you've raised is the way in which Job prays for his family at the beginning of the book of Job. It is a fascinating mm. passage where Job says, I'm going to do yeah. this because it's just possible that my children have sinned against God. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to take care of that. Yeah. And, and so it he is. went to work as a priest in his family. I think a lot, it's sad. I think a lot of us uh, people would read that and discount it because it's Old Testament, it's Job. Mm -hmm. I would rather say, oh, I wonder if God really paid attention to that. Mm -hmm. You know, was, mm -hmm. it, was it only archaic? no longer relevant because I don't know much about what it would be uh, in the new Testament that would cancel that stuff out. No, I, I mean, wouldn't think so. He was, he was a man of faith doing what he knew he needed to do for his family. Yeah. Pleading with God for his family. I think that's a good thing to do. Yeah. Plead with God for your family. Well, and, and just as a challenge for my, myself, like just to see the importance of my role as a husband and father, um, it's the bar is being raised here. It's not a low bar. And obviously God can work in the mess and the brokenness. And oh, he, do, he does all the time. Oh, he, he brings, you know, just amazing things out of rubble. Um, but if you think of a family, most families that I've seen over the years that have a strong godly father, it makes a world of difference Changes in, everything. in that family. And, you know, you see it in our society, fatherless households, it's an epidemic and it's, yeah, it, it's heartbreak. It's killing, it's killing our country. It's killing our society. 
And so we need men to be godly men. Yeah. Not we, just men, but godly men. Yeah. And we need, uh, you know, what we need is we need to, this week, uh, the men need to live like Christian men. The women need to live like Christian women and let mm -hmm. all of those distinctives, um, let them represent God well. Embrace that. Yeah. Rather than, you know, remember, we're swimming upstream with this uh, in every way. Uh, men and women are not in our world being trained to be a representative of God in the world mm -hmm. uh, with respect to their gender. That's just not what's happening. That's a so God help us. Yeah. It's a great mission, though. We have the opportunity to witness. Yeah. As absolutely. men and as women. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So we've got a tall task. We're in the middle of this, the fray here in our own country with the messages that are coming our way. Uh, so stick strong to the Bible, love God, fulfill your role as a man or a woman and yeah. Yeah. represent him well. Yeah. Good. All right, Randy, anything else? Nothing. You want another joke? Nope. Okay. Save it for next time. <laughs> All right. Thanks. See you guys. Thanks again for joining us on today's episode. And remember, our Sunday sermons are meant to lead us to a life of worship beyond Sunday. 